Well, welcome back or welcome to Ted and Yogi's Pac-12 Adventure with Ted Robinson and Yogi Roth. Of course, joined by Michael Molinari. And it is Tuesday. It is Tuesday evening of the 2nd of November. And you know what that means. The first CFP ranking has come out. The Oregon Ducks are ranked number four. The lone Pac-12 team ranked in the initial rankings. But there's a lot of storylines to dive into. Of course, we're presented by our friends at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. I don't know how many people would have bet on Oregon being top four ahead of Ohio State or Cincinnati. Uh, fellas, I'd love your initial reactions, and uh, and I'm obviously going to give mine as we dive into this bad boy. Win for college football. Mm. Games matter, period. Games matter. And the other thing that surprised me when I, I, I didn't watch the whole thing, I just skimmed it, and I saw that I didn't realize there was such a difference in strength of schedule ranking between Oregon and Oregon State. That jumped out at me. But as long as that head-to-head – I, mean, I told you my 1993 scar, but I'm saying if, and, and, and I think you guys would agree with this. If somehow Ohio State and Oregon both end up as a one loss team and Oregon and Ohio State is ranked ahead, then why would anybody play those kind of games in September? Why? And then college football loses. So that's why, to me, it's a victory. Oregon reaping the reward of going and playing that game. And actually both of them to Ohio State's credit, they were supposed to play the previous year, but that got canceled. So both teams, congratulations. Right now, Oregon reaping the benefit. And we're going to have a podcast after dark, by the way. So thank you, CFP, for releasing <laughs> late. So we could do podcast after dark. We have about as many okay, people in the so- stands as they did at Stanford the other night, by the way. <laughs> yes, yes. All right, Yoke. All right, Yoke, fire away. All right, so with that said, um, I got a little bit of a rant here, but in a good way. Uh, around the playoff. Um, this playoff's been going on for a long time. And what they haven't changed is the description of what their criteria is. I'll read off the four main elements. Championships, one, strength of schedule, head-to-head, comparative outcome of common opponents. So they use those four elements when something's close. I believe, covering this thing since it started along with you guys, that it's been hit or miss in terms of when to use those elements when not to. So I'll let go Ted, who's much better at economy awards than I am, major win for college football. Here's why. We walked into the season with Oregon as an overwhelming favorite by the media to win the Pac-12 conference. We walked into the season with anybody east of the Rockies, west of the Rockies, south of the whatever, like all across college football, Oregon was a team. You could say whatever you want about the Pac-12, but from Feinbaum around the country, it was, yeah, Oregon's a real team. So to me, I'm glad that it wasn't like a shock. Like, oh, oh my gosh, the Ducks in the Pac-12. Like, no, no, this team is loaded. With that said, some facts. They beat Ohio State on the road for the first time since anyone's gone to Ohio State and won on the road since 2017. Reminder, the game, and Ted knows this better than anybody, the game was at 9 a.m., uh, Pacific Standard Time, different for their body clock. They were without many starters, most notably the number one draft pick, we all presume, in Kayvon Thibodeau. Pause. Move on to their loss, because now we're going to talk about the Stanford game. Uh, Joe Moorhead eliminated due to an illness the morning of the game. I believe that our offensive coordinators were three decisions. There's at least one decision, let alone two or three. If he helps make, I think they win that game. They also benefited from an untimed down and a penalty that will go down in infamy of if you think it is or is not uh, defensive holding. They also lost C.J. Verdell in that game and Kayvon Thibodeau on the final 11-page play drive where Stanford ended up tying the ball game. In addition, when they played Cal the next week, uh, Joe Moorhead created the game plan but was not with the team all week long. I found that out last week as I was part of the crew at the Pac-12 conference that presents to the committee. So we learned of that, and that was a big moment uh, an element to present because Oregon didn't look great in that game. The play color around them all week. So I say all that because I think that I believe, to Ted's point of college football getting a win, so the committee looked at it and said, those are some facts. Those are some real things. Their all-conference center hasn't played the last couple of games. They anticipated him playing the last two games. He hasn't done it. They've lost multiple players, and this team is getting stronger, and they have the best win in the country my opinion this year based on having to go on the road versus AM winning the game against Alabama at home. Um, even Cincinnati over Notre Dame, I still think that Oregon going to Ohio State 
uh, is a better win. Maybe not by much, but I still think it is. So with that said, I'm not blown away that Oregon's ranked where they are. I think when you sit back objectively, even working at the Pac-12, you say, yeah, when I hear all those things, it, it makes it makes sense to me. Uh, and then you add in the eye test and how they've played the last couple of weeks. So I'm happy where they are. And I think it's great for the league, obviously, where they're positioned with the teams that are behind them, knowing what everybody has over the last month of the season. At least for a week, it's confirmation that that win for Oregon at Ohio State was the most important football win for the Pac-12 conference in years. And, you know, as I've been very blunt before, you have to own your results. And the rest of the results in this conference this year were just not very good, sadly. Um, and it's cost. And when you see the other teams that are in the top 25 of the CFP ranking, teams like Fresno State, San Diego State, Mount, two Mountain West teams in, only one pack team, uh, BYU in, which is 4-0 against the pack. So you can't ignore that. You just can't. You have to own it. But for Oregon to get the cred for that win over Ohio State is massive. And now I'm going to say, because I, I think I've been as vocal as any of us about lack of national respect for the pack, that if I'm sitting in Norman, Oklahoma right now, if I'm sitting in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and if I'm really sitting in Cincinnati, I'm not happy. <laughs> I'm not happy. Mm. And that's going to be the challenge. Chris Peterson, who was on the Fox halftime this past Saturday, made a great point about Cincinnati. He said Cincinnati needs to be ranked second when this first poll came out because there'll be some one-loss teams. that We already know the Alabama rule. Alabama has to lose three times to be eliminated. We've, that, that was proven again. They're second, right? They're second in the poll. It doesn't matter. They can lose again and they'll still make it. So that's going to be two spots, Georgia and Alabama. So we're all, everybody else we're talking about is fighting in my personal view for two spots. These other undefeated teams. I mean, if you have Wake Forest, and I understand people go Wake Forest, it's power five league. If yeah. they run the table, are they going to get left out from a power five league? Because you know what we'd be saying if it was a Pac-12 school that was in the in that spot. I, I think you've said it perfectly, Ted. And I think, again, you're making the argument for eight or 12, but we'll leave that for where it may. Yogi, a positive rant. Only you're capable of that. So I'm very, <laughs> impressed. I'm very impressed with that. Notice, Yo Notice Yogi, he didn't say I was capable. <laughs> no, <laughs> we skipped that. Uh, but, but, you know, hats off to you, Yogi, Merton Hanks, and the Pac-12 presenting the case because yeah. it, looks like, it looks like you guys made a difference and I'm not I, I think Oregon deserves to be there but I think they needed somebody to make their case and it appears you guys did a pretty good job of that so hats off to you guys too. and, and I do and exactly yeah. I'll second that Yogi Bravo to you and to the entire group and and I do have to believe that the way Oregon played Saturday helped because yes. it's sadly we're back to an era that I thought we were done with in college football where scores do matter and I can't stand it. I don't think it's good for college football, but I believe it, it it's impactful. And Oregon played in, you know, a team they should beat, and they beat them, and they beat them pretty soundly. And, it's, you know, I just watched the first half of the game, and it was a mismatch. That's a good thing for Oregon CFP presentation. Style points. Yeah. yeah, I think it's interesting. Uh, like, this committee, it's one week, but I, I'm really a fan of uh, how they've evaluated and I get like how undefeated teams are frustrated in that regard. Um, and I'm with you. If if we were Wake Forest or Oklahoma, we'd be going crazy right now um, coming from a power five league. But I like the head to head thing, right? How it matters. Oklahoma State and Baylor. I like how it matters with Wisconsin and Iowa. Um, I, I just I like how I just like how it matters. I like how uh, think of Mississippi State and Kentucky. Yeah. Right. It mattered. The head to head. How about Mike Leach? And I can't believe it after you watch them earlier in the season. Um but Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I'm just, you know who it did matter with, though? Penn State, I mean, this is back-end stuff, and it's for the Big Ten, but Penn State was out. Yeah. They're in the AP good. poll. They're out yeah. of this, and Wisconsin is in. Penn State beat Wisconsin head-to-head -head in week one at Madison this year. So there's one exception into the head-to-head. -head. Well, and Michael said it before we came on the air, right? Bama A&M. Yeah. That's also an exception. Yeah. yeah. Um, but with, with that said um, – what, what I, to your point of Penn State, to kind of Penn State and Fresno State flopping, I get the Wisconsin too. I think that's great for 
Oregon. So if you're a yes. Duck fan, listen to this. This is what I've written down that you want. Guys, tack on things that I may miss. You, we want Oklahoma to lose because an undefeated Oklahoma is getting in the playoff, in my opinion. Uh, they haven't performed great in the playoff, but I would imagine if they can beat an OK State twice or whomever they would play in their title game, uh, they'll have a chance to get in. I think you want Ohio State to continue to win because someone from the Big Ten is getting in. It might as well be, or at least all the way to the title game, a team that you beat. Michigan State and Ohio State play in a couple weeks, and of course the Michigan game. You want Fresno State and San Diego State to keep winning. That's only going to help you because Oregon's going to play Utah likely twice in three weeks, which is crazy, right, if you think about that. Uh, you want Utah to ball out. We'll get to them here in a minute. We want Oregon State to play well, and you want Washington State to continue to play well. Those are all the teams that you face because you're not going to have a ranked opponent. I think Utah, I would, I'm going to guess here, they were 26 through 30. They had to be because I know as we present, like the context of Utah, if you look at how these other teams were ranked at the bottom and the bottom five, like Pitt Panthers. I love Pitt. We just got rolled by Miami, who has what, three or four wins this year? Right. So I think I would imagine Utah's in the dialogue somewhere. They need to go win. And, and, and that's going to have to be some of the narrative because that's how it's going to continue to grow. But overall, Oregon's in a really healthy spot if they continue to play as they get healthier and get Alex Forsyth back. We anticipate this weekend they're starting all-conference center. They've got Mace Funa back, their linebacker. They're going to be in great position to make the playoff. Can I ask you one question, Yogi, since you're more of an expert on this than Ted and I, for sure. Oregon wins out. Do you see a scenario where Oregon could win out and not make the playoff? Yeah. You do? I can. I think if Oklahoma and Wake Forest were undefeated, and let's just say Ohio State had a lot, had another loss along the way, because I'm with Ted on this of like, why do we have power five leagues and we talk power five football? If you're undefeated, you don't get in. Um, okay. And I get it. Like it's, it's, and then you get in the debate four best or four best bodies of work. It, I, yeah. I always hope that the committee is put in really precarious situations to see where they net out. Um, I don't necessarily want that specific one, but I'd like to see some some elements around there. But they're, they're in a great position. Uh, but yeah, th there's some ways where this could get wonky. And I, and I think, Ted, if Bama lost to Georgia and had two losses, I think they'd be out like they were a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I wish I could too. agree with you, but I don't. Yeah. yeah. So number Here, two and number four I'll, aren't yeah. as solid as they appear today. As there's a lot left. And to I don't be think said. Michigan State's gonna. Michigan State, as Reese Davis pointed out in the Nebraska game, I believe they had more plays than yards in the second half when they played them. So I don't think Mel Tucker's team is like world beaters. I think they're just sexy and had an awesome quarter and a half. And well, I don't see them winning out the rest of the way. Personally, I, I think they're like Mississippi State. Dan Mullen, you know, what was it, five, six years ago when they were two or three early on? Like, I don't, I don't see that with them. They got to play Penn State. They got to play Ohio State. Um, it'd be nice, it'd be, but I, I, I'm not convinced that they're, they're that team for four quarters yet. All right. So, can I have a, Michael, can I have a mini rant here? Please. Are you, are you okay? It's after dark, Ted. So, <laughs> game. This past Saturday, and I had a chance to watch it, which I'm really happy just given our schedule and when our game in Berkeley, Michigan State, Michigan was the best college football game of this year by far so far. Not even seconds, not even close. The best college football game I've seen in probably the last five years. The level of play, the level of talent, the atmosphere, et cetera. Um, the Big Ten East has these slugging, has a slugfest now. They're all playing each other. So I want to get to the Michigan State, Michigan in a few minutes, but Alabama and Georgia. Do you know how many times they've played in the last 12 years in the regular season? Hi, Yogi did his homework. Good job, Yogi. That's why you're my man. That is an utter, if you, I mean, from a college football standpoint, it's a disgrace. So the SEC can stand up on its haunches all they want. I know they have all the ammunition to do it. That's a joke. Those two teams have played in the regular season. I have it in front of me here. Since, since September of 2008, they have played in the regular season twice. It's, that's a joke. Don't talk to me about your... And one was in, and one was in the pandemic where you only played... Yeah, last years. year. They played last year and they played in 2015. They have played other times in championships and bowl games, but in the regular season, 
twice. That's a joke. Okay, rant over. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. All right, before we move on, the game, we move on. We just ignore it and move on. I know. When when I do this during the game, I'm with you, dude. Yogi, you, you know this. When we when I do this during the game, I can't see Michael. So I can't see his reaction. That's why I love doing it now because I can actually see him when he's ready to throw up in his mouth when I go through these. It's when he pushes the button and gets in my ear and says, hey, let's go back to the previous play. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> I, I agree. I co-sign all day long. Um, I think to put a bow on that, I think that our league eventually get to one and two playing in a title game. I hope the Alliance follows suit in the ACC and Big Ten. And we'll see what happens with that, you know, far off land known as the SEC as they continue to operate in their own world, what they end up doing with their super conference. Okay, let me let me throw this out here to you guys. Pac-12 related. So I just said Michigan State, Michigan was an extraordinary football game. The ratings came out today. By far the highest rated college football game of 2021. Now there's still a month to go, so somebody may beat them. Uh, by far the highest rate. By far. It's all by 2 million viewers, the highest rate. Well, I'm watching this Saturday morning without knowing that that was going to be the rating. And I was already thinking this. And that when I saw that today, confirmed. Why can't the pack, somebody forward think, somebody be creative and take Wilner's idea and say, not only are we going to have a 9 a.m. game next year, but we're going to put maybe a rivalry game, a natural rivalry game like Michigan, Michigan State, or a key rivalry matchup. Let's just throw hypothetical out there because they're not playing this year, Oregon, USC, where that's a hypothetical, but that's a big national rivalry. At 9 a.m., suck it up, guys. The window is the window is established. It is a great college football window for national exposure. And our the Pac-12 conference needs it. It just needs it. And when I see almost 10 million people watched the Michigan-Michigan State game, and we have games on all Saturday in the Pac-12 that are in the Witness Protection Program. Pick pick a good one. Pick a gem. Pick a couple of gems out. And I, I just it, – it reinforced the fact that I had to – Wilner, great call on the 9 a.m. kick. Well, hat to you because you've been talking that way for a while, uh, Ted. Uh, to me, on that note, it have to be great games. Right to the like the one you just referenced. Imagine SC, because yeah. so the fans are like, "Let's ride." Um, it's gonna be fun. I think we're in a really fun stage of of our league. Um, I think it's one. Of, I I don't think it's rivalry because you're gonna get such pushback from fans. I think it's some of these alliance potential alliance matchups when you've got Michigan mm. com- coming out to play at Oregon, or for example. So you don't have the fan base as a so that to me the alliance game is the perfect 9 a.m 9 a.m idea but i think it needs to be a conference game i think it needs to be a conference game and 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 i I agree with you michael we all know that the the natural rivalries in our conference all get played late in the year so that will be a hard ask one time maybe you also want to you're going to have to plan that before the season yeah so you can't do it on a 12-day pick less pushback if it's it's already lined up and established well in advance. Right. And so, you know, you want to have that, the hard part for right now where the pack is, I think in our, at the net, we have five natural rivalries is that going into 2022, it's hard to project one where both are going to be national houses right now. USC is going to have a coaching change. That would be the best one to me would be USC UCLA. I don't have any idea if the schools would be willing to do it once, but USC is going to also be in, you know, in, in, in a change. But that's why I came back to Oregon, USC, something like that, where you know you're going to have national presence, national power, and you have to declare the game before the year for the fans. I understand that you can't do it on a on a twelve for the teams. You can't do it on a twelve day window. But I just I just continue as I was watching. Sadly, you know, Saturday, I mean, and I knew it was going to happen. We all knew it was going to happen. I'm watching games in in you know Utah was great. The Utah atmosphere is great. Their credit to the Utes and their fans. But are the venues? And you're watching this supposedly our marketing people scream about Pac-12 after dark and we have empty stands. It is just, it is, it is, it, it's not only not helpful, it's counterproductive to what the conference is trying to achieve. Well, we, All know, right. we know the after dark's a money thing more than a fan thing, yeah. but yeah, we'll yeah. just say that. Okay. Go ahead, Yogi. <laughs> All right. So we're, 
As we move on to the next topic, let me tell you a little bit about our partners over at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. If you haven't signed up with Bet Rivers yet, now is the time. They are offering a $250 match bonus for your first deposit. But what sets them apart is they require just one playthrough to turn your bonus into cash money. They have a new rush pay instant approval element to them. So withdrawing your winnings is safer, more secure, and much more reliable than ever before. So here we are in November, CFP, football is rolling, the stakes are high, get in on the action, go to betrivers.com today, download the, the BetRivers iOS app, of course you must be 21 years or older, and if you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-GAMBLER. Okay, uh, we're going to rip here, because uh, there is a lot to talk about. Uh, let's just go to Oregon's game. A lot of noise. Oregon's been trending on Twitter for like 36 hours. And it was based on Jimmy Lake's comments in his press conference about do they recruit against Oregon? We know these two teams get after it, right? If you're a dog fan, you're going duck hunting. If you're a duck fan, you want to put it on them. We all remember Jake Browning with the point in Autzen uh, when he was under Chris Peterson. I mean, this, this game has had amazing moments. You guys have probably been a part of it. I've, I've never called that game uh, or if I've never even seen it in person. But it's a, it's a huge stage. I think it's a more competitive game than one might think based on the rivalry in this one. Uh, but I'm curious, like, what, what do you guys think with, with everything going on around Oregon today? And now they got to go to Seattle to play this one. I'll go quick. If Jimmy Lake somehow pulls this off instant, no one's going to remember anything else that happened this season. Yeah. Not even, not even the loss at the beginning of the year. So it's uh, now, do I think he, they can, I don't, I don't think so. But anything's possible in this conference. We know that. So it's a heated rivalry, and they've turned up the temperature. And obviously, with Oregon in the top four, the temperature is even higher. That's going to be turning on Twitter now. So I, I think it's going to be – it is going to be – there's a huge, huge stakes for this game now. Yeah, I, um, I, I watched the second half of Washington's win against Stanford, and, and it, it's not a very pretty eyeball test. Washington's done it two weeks in a row. They've won road games two weeks in a row. And admittedly, not tough places to play on the road, not great teams they beat, but they still won games. And the the one that surprises me is Sean McGrew. Now, we've seen Sean McGrew in the past, but they've had other running backs that always seem to take the uh, the, the first uh, carries or the limelight. Now, Sean McGrew is the guy. And that one really surprises me. And the other thing that you got to give Washington credit for, to me, at the end of the Stanford game, Stanford had the game. Stanford was one first down away from winning the game, and Washington's defense stopped them and then got the ball back for a last-ditch drive and converted not just field goal but touchdown to win the game. So, uh, you know, despite their rough start and some really rough losses, those that team's hung together. So credit to the Huskies for that. Yeah, I think if there's one thing that I look at, what must happen for UW to win, Dylan Morris has to play well. Like, they have to deal. Like, I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball at will. Like, they're going to have to get Kate Otten involved. He's an All-American. We love this guy at tight end. He won't be an All-American this year. We think he'll get drafted. And he's a true tight end in a league that is bringing that position back, as we've talked over the last couple of podcasts. Dylan's got a ball, straight up. Like, this will be an awesome first quarter, uh, just like UCLA-Oregon was. And then what happened? Oregon outscored him, was it 38-3 to or whatever it was over the, over the middle quarters. UW's got a their quarterback in this offense has to rise up or they, they'll they'll lose and uh and Oregon it won't be it won't be blowout central early but they're gonna run the ball their defense will stop the run so Yoke Washington just ran for 220 against Stanford you don't think yeah. that I mean I'm not saying they're gonna run for 220 against Oregon but could they run for 130 or 140 against Oregon I, I think yeah I think they can I mean Arizona ran the ball at times against Oregon yeah. um but Oregon's finally getting healthy. They got some of their guys back. Like they'll they'll be juiced up. Um, we'll see what the UW offensive front looks like, right? It's get gotten better as you reference. If they can run it decently, if they can run for a buck twenty, buck thirty, and allow Dylan Morris to not get teed off on, they'll have a chance in the game. But they got to get going. This is not a sleepy game, and they got to be able to handle it because Husky Stadium will be as crazy as it's been. Hope so since the beginning of the Montana yeah. game, yeah, you know, so. And, and yeah. I agree from the standpoint, you're not going to, you're the, the, I think your point about Morris is right from the standpoint, you're going to win this game 31, 28, yeah. right? You're not going right. to win this game 16, 13. 
average winning team in Pac-12 conference games scores 35 points out yeah. of today. Yeah. Got to score. So Washington, okay. But Washington has just played two grind games at Arizona and Stanford. That's what I – there's no way to me this is going to be that kind of game. Yeah. I think Anthony Brown continues to grow. Uh, it'll be his stiffest test against the secondary. They bait you into so many things. It's going to be a challenge. Yep. Uh, but it's, it'll be a good moment for that program. They can get a win. Uh, all right, Washington State. Who would have thought? Who would have thought they'd have a chance when you look at the standings in the Pac-12 North that there's Jake Dickert's crew, just like we predicted, right? They play Oregon. We know that. They have a bye week. I just think it's important to note them. He got his first win. They won't play this weekend, but they'll get to really prepare to play uh, on the road at Austin Stadium, fellas. Yeah. Ted, I just want I, we talk about him a lot. I think we should give it some love. No, most uh, most unheralded player in the conference. I said it Saturday, and I watched the first half of their game this weekend again. Jaden Delore. I mean, again, eyeball test. You know, the first eyeball look may not be the most impressive. This guy competes. He's producing, and he's quarterbacking right now a winning team. And I just you know I, we've um, we've talked a lot about Jaden Daniels. I think with good reason, and some other quarterbacks in the conference. I feel like it's time Delora has to start getting into this conversation. Yeah, I think we keep. Uh, last week we talked about who's the second team quarterback because we went Jaden Daniels first team. You go back and you watch that game. And I'm not convinced of who my first team quarterback is right now, let alone the second. So we'll, we'll keep talking about that as, as we get rolling here. Uh, Michael, our game. It was cool. I talked to Makai Blackman today. Makai Blackman, whose name I'll say as many times as possible in the broadcast. Uh, my son's name is Makai, our baby. Uh, he's like, every game's must win. He goes, that's how, that's how we're looking at it. And they have to, to go bowling. We just got off the phone with him about an hour ago. Uh, and then... Oregon State can clinch a bowl berth since what, 2014, 2013, 2014, first time? 13, 13. 2013. Uh, Nate Lamon, I'd anticipate him not going in this game. It didn't go last week. I don't know. Like on paper, this probably doesn't look a sexy game, but as I've dug into it, I'm kind of pumped for this one, man. Well, I think Oregon State needs to right the ship. Um, that's which is amazing because we felt like they've, they have righted the ship this season. But all of a sudden they lose at Colorado and it's, I just think, I think they really need to, they, they need to get it done. I think without Landman watching the first half, now Oregon's great, but the linebackers looked a little confused and rightfully so without Landman back there. So can Colorado write that? Because right now their defense looked incredibly susceptible to the run. And we know Oregon State's the best running team in this conference. So I think that's, can Colorado stop the run or at least limit it if not i think oregon state's going to be bowling and that's a great story as it is i just i want to circle back for one second washington state utah two teams that have overcome so much completely different circumstances but just hats off to both these squads for what they've been able to overcome collectively each of those teams so anyway i just want to throw that in um, but i think the run the run is going to be the key to this game and, uh, you know, I, I, looking at the tape from last week, I think Oregon State's got the advantage because I think Landman, losing Landman, if he is out again, is going to be really difficult to overcome. Can we give you a telly in the uh, truck? Yogi, this guy's. You know, with Bill Walton, I have a telestrator, so he doesn't like to use a telly. So I do the, the Millie Vanilli telly with Bill sometimes. It's pretty good. No, but I, I think Michael's right on there. And that's something, you know, we saw it. And we need to track this visually in, in this week's game because last Saturday at Berkeley, it was very simple. Oregon State has dominated teams by running the ball. They didn't. And then they didn't stop the run either, which is death. And, uh, and the, the Colorado hasn't been able to, sadly, really hasn't stopped anybody on defense this year. So there's your point. If Oregon State gets back to its 240 a game on the ground, I would imagine that's pretty elementary game plan. So just just a reminder for our game, guy who hasn't gone off, but is the reigning player of the year on offense, Jarek Broussard. I think I heard that twice in 13 seconds in the Fox show last week. Yeah. <laughs> Does he... Who's producing him? <laughs> Does he have a moment? I'm really curious to watch yeah. this because to Ted's point, Cal, who it's not like you look at them and you're like, wow, their offensive line has just moved people all year long. They move the ball. 
Does Broussard yeah. and Fontenot get going? I mean, I know it's not sexy. It's not going to register many places, but uh, as I've dug into this one, I'm pumped. All right, so, so who thinks Arizona gets the first place? I'm going to tell you one other thing real quick. All right, name drop admitted. Walked into the grocery store yesterday to pick up some things. Who's in line ahead of me? Jerry Rice. <laughs> proud dad. <laughs> so it was really, it was nice to see Brendan Rice, of whom things have been expected. It was very nice to see Brendan Rice deliver both receiving and running back as a run back guy uh, at Oregon. I hope that's the start because that's what Colorado badly needs is somebody to emerge as a playmaker on the outside. Expect to see him featured in the open, by the way. Yeah. Tell Jerry if you see him. Jerry? Yeah. <laughs> if he shows up, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Cal. Arizona. You talk playmakers, Ted? Jamari Joyner made a lot of plays. Not sure his status. I don't think he's going to go in this one. Uh, he played through for touchdown. He's all over the place. Does Arizona get one? What do we think? Been a long time. I, I, I don't know the count, but it's been a minute. Well, I'd like to think, yes, I'd like to think Arizona's going to find a way to get one. But I saw enough from Cal Saturday that if they take that anywhere close to that game with them to Tucson, three, three good running, you know, three good productive running backs, Garber's playing a very good game. I thought last Saturday, uh, Arizona, again, sadly, they just haven't been able to stop anybody. And USC, I mean, I'm just going to throw a fact out there. USC had 550 yards and what they get 41 points and the best offensive player in the conference didn't play the second half. So yeah. I'm not sure where Arizona is going to be able to summon up. And if they do, they'll win the game because they'll score that we know Arizona will score a little bit, but I'm not sure they can stop enough. Yeah. If Garbers plays anything close to like he played last Saturday, I don't see Arizona getting their first win this weekend. Yeah. I think if this was earlier in the year, I give Arizona a better shot than now. Cal is three and five. They got to win to go bowling. This is a lot of guys that came back purposely now some have been injured right but do they get Kim good back in this game we'll see he didn't go last week um but a lot of guys like Josh Drayden and company uh they came back for a bowl I, I think they get this one um before we get to SC Arizona State uh it's a Friday night game right for Stanford and Utah Utah's going there uh Stanford as Ted referenced earlier not a lot of people anticipated probably to be at this game there weren't a lot last week but they do anticipate Michael Wilson, my former intern, who I love, expected to possibly play. Uh, Bradley Arden, chance. Probable is Ethan Bonner and Salim Turner-Muhammad in the secondary. The problem is questionable. Tanner McKee, big old questionable um, for Stanford. Stanford's hard to figure out, guys. Like. Utah, I think they're rolling. Um, it's a Friday game. That it's Stanford's done weird stuff on Friday nights before, but I don't know. I, I see Utah rolling, but yeah. So I'll, I'll give you a little bit quickly from this from my point from the Stanford side. Um, the the game I, I touched on the number a few minutes ago. This is last Saturday to me was the absolute confirmation. This is no longer, and we can't talk about Stanford in the present tense as we did Stanford in the past tense. It's just a completely different team. Stanford gets the ball back with what two minutes to go in the game. They get one first down, they win the game and they can't run the ball at all. They couldn't run the ball at all and had to punt back and Washington goes down to win the game. Washington outrushes them 220 to 70, which means Stanford doesn't run the ball and doesn't stop the run. And that's, that's a bad, as we all know, that's just not a healthy, healthy combination. So my, my, my thing that I was impressed by was after the game, David Shaw made a comment and he said, we're a better team than we're playing than the way we're playing. We are a better team than the way we are playing. And it's on me. He said, it's on me. I need to find out why we're not playing up to the level that we should. And it was to me, just spoke reams about who David Shaw is and, and then I read Herm Edwards' comments after Arizona State's game, and Herm said, it's on the players. There's not going to be a new offense. There's not, it's on the players. And to me, I, I heard one coach who has spent most of his time in college, and then one coach who has spent most of his time in the pros. And I heard a college, to me, it was a college response and a pro response. 
And, and I just wanted this, I mean, I just, to me, it's a major, I, I was, I smiled when I read the comment because that's exactly, if you're in, if you're in Stanford football, you're angry because you know, you're not the team that they've been, the way they've been playing. That's what you want to hear from your head coach. I, I think you summed it up pro versus college and you know, how, how are the players going to respond to that? Stanford's lost. I mean, it's remarkable. Stanford's lost three in a row since beating Oregon. Yeah. And it's, it's just, you would have thought they would have went that way. Um, the team they're playing, Utah, to me, like we said, it's going to be, you know, no one's going to be there. The energy is going to be low. Utah brings their own energy. So I think I think that's the advantage. Utah doesn't need anything. You know, they love the must. They thrive there. But I think Utah on the road brings their own energy. And I, I, I just I think Utah is going to roll in this one. That's just my feeling. Yeah, I think so, too. And I think Utah and Oregon are the two best teams in this league right now. And they're tracking. I wish they didn't play in the regular season, to be blunt. I really wish they didn't. Um, but that's how it goes. They call Greg Zanke uh, and you can work that out, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah. Agreed. Um, you, you referenced Herm's quotes. I, I went back and I was I read that too. And I was like, whoa, 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 let me go watch this press conference. And I think in, its, in the words, it wasn't, uh, as I listened to it, I didn't feel like he was like straight up, it's the player's fault. They got to go win the game. And I'm not saying you uh, uh, you intended it to, to mean that way, but I think that was the headline. It was like, whoa, called out the players. It's on the players. But as you listen to him, he was like, look, man, like we're not going to change anything. We have to get better. Uh, and I think we will, and our guys want to. It's not as though they've tanked or they've given up. Uh, you know, So I think there were there was some context around that line that definitely made me relax a little bit after I saw it. With that said, this is the game I'm most anticipating um, all weekend long. And, and I get there's a lot of other games and stakes and stuff like that because ASU, when we saw them in training camp, right, we all had them week one. They won. What do you what do you call it? The, the airport the test. Tarmac, uh, the airport test, right? Uh, the, coming off the bus. The air, they look the part. Absolutely. They look awesome. And they've had some injuries. They've had some. They've had a boatload of drops. Um, they haven't looked anywhere near. And more importantly, they haven't played the style of football we thought, which is clean, which is, excuse me, consistent. So now they have SC coming to town. SC is in Los Angeles for everybody living under a rock. Arizona State recruits the daylights out of Lawrence. And Jaden Daniels and that entire roster can't raise up and have great focus and energy because they, they didn't have it in the Washington State game. Herm called it out. You saw it when it was on, you know, wherever you watched it. It was a bad game from their standpoint. Sloppy, ugly, tough to watch. They need to play, I'd say, their best game of the season because I don't think they played their best, at least what we thought. Or... Are they just middle of the road? And I think that's what we're going to find out this weekend. I'm, I'm so anticipating that game. Um, and we'll see what we see from the Trojans. Is it Jackson Dart? Does he get all the burn? Uh, I thought that was really interesting from what I read in the LA Times. Fellas, I'd love your reaction to. Uh, Keaton Slovis said he found out Friday night that Jackson Dart was playing. I played sports for a long time. We've been around it for a long time. If I was a Heisman candidate and I found out Friday night, that as a quarterback at USC, I was going to share reps, and I didn't earlier in the week. I don't know anything else on the quarterback. I read. I would be like, really? And and that's kind of what he said. That's where his, Those were his quotes. So there's a lot of drama in this game. Well, I'll say two things. You know, no offense, but he hasn't been playing like a Heisman candidate, so maybe he's lost a little bit of that. Um, Fair. Not, he's not a Heisman candidate. Right. Not. So it's not, he doesn't, maybe he doesn't deserve the notification that somebody who's been playing a little better, but my, my one, my one stat that jumped out at me from the stats train on ASU, cause I gotta, I gotta give a little love to the stats train <laughs> last three games. They've averaged 23 points a game, ASU one touchdown in the second half in the last three games. Yeah. So and, and I'll just, go ahead, Ted. I'll just throw in, I mean, and, and USC side, obviously we all we've, already hashed through what this is a, a horrible year for them, given the disruption with the coach change and Clay Helton getting a job today, by the way. <laughs> um, uh, so anyway, that, that will play itself out. But from the ASU side, it, I, I would ask this guys, start with you, Yogi, just put the 12 rosters of the PAC 12 schools out there and tell a coach 
who's coming in, Bob Stoops, I'm going to bring you in to, to pick a team to coach in this league. Which roster would he take first? Oregon. Which roster would he take second? ASU. Thank you. That's, that would be my answer. And I'm not a coach, but that would be my answer. So that's, that's why I'm coming from. The, I'm a big believer in this. It's my own personal thing that I've seen in other sports, in major leagues, professional sports. How well a team plays is not a coach's responsibility. Guy drops passes, can't block, whatever. The coach ultimately is responsible is then to find somebody who can. But that's not the coach's responsibility. How a team plays is. And the way Arizona State played Saturday, that's, that's Herm Edwards has to own that. And, and his teams have to be better. I mean, they don't have to win, but they have to play the right way starting against USC this Saturday. I, that, that was, to me, I, 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 was, I, get, I couldn't even watch the second half because the first half was so bad. Um, and, and if I'm an Arizona State person, I'm, you know, I understand the players have all come out rallying in favor of her, which is great. That's a wonderful thing to hear. Now, now play that way because all we can do is – judge off what we see, right? We're not in the cuddle. We're not in the locker room. So we don't know, but we can judge off what we see. And that's kind of how this world works. And what we saw Saturday was not, was nowhere near acceptable. Agreed. Agree with that. Um, okay. Uh, before we get, get to the humanity moment, uh, UCLA, it's a big story uh, right now in LA. Um, just the program, right? Like Oregon game was awesome. Didn't finish it. Utah game, backup quarterback looked admirable. I think you know uh, Ethan Garbage is the future there. It's it's I, I'm, there's going to be a lot that goes on here over the next month. You look at recruiting. Recruiting is going to come up fast. Signing day is the middle of December. Um, I, I I don't know, guys. I, I really don't know how the league's going to shake out over the last month. But I do think there are a boatload of storylines, um, and UCLA football is one of them. Well. I'll, uh, the elephant in the room, I'll take care of being here in LA. There, there are the lead reporter is calling for coach Kelly's job essentially in the Los Angeles times. And I've, I've been around chip Kelly for 15 years in various places and interact with him. Ted has as well, unless he respects you, chip Kelly does not really, uh, is not really that cordial with many in the media and, when the chips are down, that's not going to help you. So I think I think that's where we are right now in LA in that situation. And you know, Ted said, so I don't I don't think the beat reporter gets to decide if someone's gonna stay or not, but the beat reporter is definitely feeling like it's time. So that's that's the story. Yeah. And you know what? On that note, I think when I look at UCLA, we're gonna have them in Colorado coming off their bye week. I think they got a chance to win their last three. So we'll see, you know, to the point of like narrative headlines one day, realities three, four weeks from now, um, who knows? Um, it'll all shake out. Yeah. Okay, and this start was winning, fun. they'll love you. You know how that goes. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Ted. No, and I, I just, the one thing I think about UCLA, and I think you're right, that I, they have winnable games down the stretch, and I think they need to. Um, that's obvious. Um, we were talking a lot about the defense at the beginning of the year, and we're not talking about the defense now. And I think the tactic that we're seeing, and it was really run beautifully by Michigan State against Michigan, it drove Jim Harbaugh crazy, is teams are, offensive teams are running tempo and as a result, they're preventing defensive teams from substituting. Michigan's coach, defensive coordinator was not very well schooled in this. And Michigan got multiple delay of game penalties. They had multiple plays where the defense didn't line up. And Harbaugh kind of called out his own defensive coordinator about it afterwards. The point being, we're seeing it now. Uh, and directors are missing uh, plays, as we saw in the Colorado-Oregon telecast. They were missing plays because they're trying to replay when teams are running tempo. We go back to Chip Kelly 10 years ago, right? We all had to get Michael and, and your crews all had to get used to this when Chip introduced that rapid-fire pace of play. And I, I've got to believe teams are going to continue to do this to UCLA, right, to stop yeah. UCLA from subbing six, as they try to do, run waves of, of fresh bodies out there. That's where the previous play began. Cue it up, and after the next yeah. play, run the play you just saw because you're not going to have time to cue it up and run it. So, yeah, there you go. Exactly. Yogi, are we going to do humanity here? 
we're going right now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, before though, oh, go ahead. Get something yeah. before we. Yeah, I was gonna say Yogi and I. We should just do a very very quick. I promise here, quick before Michael's yeah. moment because I want to step on Michael's moment. But um, a wonderful f- a friend of ours passed away this past week. Jim Gillis. Uh, nobody knows who Jim is. So I'll tell you very briefly. Jim's ninety four years old. He was an All American baseball player at the incredible baseball factory called Notre Dame. Uh, and Jim ended up playing pro ball. He went and served in the FBI for, I believe, a decade, ended up getting into the broadcast business and eventually became California's representative on the Heisman Trophy Committee. And he's the guy that eventually con- kind of coerced me to take a Heisman vote a long time ago. And then some years back, uh, I called him and I said, I had somebody who I thought was really right, should have a Heisman vote. And then Akbar Baja Gamila went on that game show. So I lost him. So I said, what about Yogi? How about that? <laughs> and Yogi got a Heisman vote. And, uh, and I had, so I had a wonderful time. I spent probably a couple hours with Jim and his wife just before the, I mean, weeks before COVID, uh, I, in their, in their home here in the Bay area, just the nicest person. So yeah, because he was so really passionately devoted to the Heisman cause, I think, and, and Yogi, you've had a chance to get to know Jim too, which is a little quick shout out that glad to have known you, Jim. Yeah. I'll, I'll never forget the first time I get a random call from a number I'm wasn't on my phone I was on Nike's campus for the elite 11 and it's Jim Gillis and he calls me and he says hey um Ted Robinson and I have talked he's advocated tremendously for you I've I've asked around about you and I'd like to offer you a Heisman vote and and I'll remember that moment forever and then the subsequent check-ins and and I'm not great I'm definitely not as good as Jim at this but I hope to one day be that way where he would just call randomly hey how you doing how's life how's the season you still living in the house, California? Uh, just a just a class act of a human. And, and Ted, I thank you because you introduced me to him, man. And uh, much love to his family, as I know it's a big loss. And to anybody in California who has a Heisman vote, you know who Jim Gillis is. The, the call without the agenda, a lost art form, by the way. Yeah. Amen. Amen. All right. So before we get into our humanity moment of the week. I want to make sure I let you know about the field of 12 media. It's a brand new podcast and digital media network covering college football by people that know it best. It's brought to you by shoot your shop productions, the folks behind the field of 68, the field of 12 sweet t-shirts. We just got them gives you insight into the game. We all love by people who have lived it. Trevor Knight and Bryce Petty. I'm sure they're up in arms about Oklahoma and their ranking in the CFP in the big 12. Joshua Perry, Christian Hackenberg covering the big 10. Sorry, fellas, Ohio State's going to sit right behind Oregon. Max Stark, Clint Sterner own the SEC. We'll see if Bama does, no matter how many losses they have, if they continue to go to the playoff. We got Harry Douglas and Cody Sensabaugh on the ACC and your 25th ranked Pitt Panthers. And of course, we'll be here every week. We got you covered in the Pac-12. Check out all the links below to find the rest of our shows, the field of 12, where college football happens. Michael, take it away. Akbar Bajabiyamila, by the way, my guy. And... Uh trying to follow a Ted impromptu humanity moment is like going on after Sinatra leaves the stage. So this should be great. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, um, uh, the question I love to ask on Fridays, what do you want to do when football's done? So we were at Cal on Friday and uh, Chase Garber said investment banking, Luke Beckett, commercial real estate, Elijah Hicks, continue to do his charity work to feed the needy and be a venture capitalist, which I thought was pretty cool. But uh, the surprise guest of the day there was uh, Mike Safel, who medically retired, uh, and he was Cal's uh, center, but medically retired in the off season. And uh, he entertained everybody. If you saw the tailgate, he was on that. We mic'd him up during the game. He showed up on the post-game show. And, uh, you know, what a surprise. And Edison High School, was great TV. Mr. Glenn Parker. Uh, but anyway, his answer to us was, I'm going to cop out on this one and say what my high school coach always said. It doesn't matter what you do. It's just, you got to be a good husband and a good dad. And it's funny that his non-answer, I thought was one of the best ones of, of I've heard it forever. Uh, those of us who cover sports and have families, Yogi, you're kind of learning this now. It's really difficult to carry out those tasks while you're on the road on the weekends, you're gone on long trips. And I, I think finally the consuming nature of never knowing when you're prepared enough. And I think you got to adapt and, and kind of develop that. So anyway, six hours after Safel made the statement, I was reminded how difficult being a parent can be. Uh, 
my daughter was supposed to be next door at 615 to babysit. My wife called me and said, I don't know where she is. And basically I'm at work. My younger daughter's at ballet. So my task from 300 miles away, fix the problem. Um, so as time passed, the parental roller coaster of anger turned to worry and then guilt about being angry. But uh, anyway, as that went on, I did, I checked my phone in 90, just under 90 minutes, I made 43 phone calls. But finally, everything was resolved as, uh, as luck would have it. Kate was asleep in the backyard, uh, studying till 2 a.m. and getting up at 6 a.m. for a science lab will do that to you. Um, but anyway, then I took the flight home the next day after the game. I walked into the house about midnight and Kate was up. And I thought, I want to tell her about being responsible, about setting the alarm and what she put me through. But instead of giving her a long lecture, I gave her a long hug. And I knew that's what she needed. And more importantly, that's what I needed. So Mike Safel, it wasn't a cop out at all. The ultimate challenge, whatever career you choose, while prioritizing being a successful partner and parent is the toughest job you're ever going to have. The secret to success, like all three of us did, Choose, wild, choose wisely. Find a strong partner who can help you navigate the journey. They need to be the, your number one supporter, but more importantly, at times, your number one critic. So as I end my humanity moment, as we should always do, let's say thanks to our angels of mercy, Mary, Amy, and Melanie. And by the way, this dad's got to go finish dinner and get someone to ballet. So Yogi, take us out. <laughs> Way to go. That's that, well, Michael. That's well done. I hope, Michael, that someday you become as good a producer as you are a father. Thank you, Ted. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> well, there it is. College football playoff humanity moment of the week. My, I mean, I got to go back and listen to them all. Hey, we need to put them all in one podcast at the end of the year. I don't know where my favorite one is. It's usually the most recent one. So this one rises at the top. Ted, I can't wait to see you in Boulder. Michael, stay safe with the fam. Hayden, thanks for producing it and for all of us here you know the deal pack 12 football call playoffs start getting used to that dialogue peace thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.